You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 46 of Aging Starts Now. I'm your host, Tim Takis, and today we're talking about the conflict box. The conflict box is where the elder's preferences and the elder's capacity and the caregiver's preferences conflict with one another. Joining us in the conversation is our own Deborah King, an elder care coordinator at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Welcome, Deborah. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me today. Okay, so Tell us a little bit more about what the conflict box is and why is it important for older people and their and the people that care for them. The conflict box is a way to describe um, how a person's preferences uh, change over time, especially when you're dealing with someone who has cognitive decline or dementia. So we look at the two axes, the x-axis and the y-axis, and you have preferences going one line where the elder's preferences and the caregiver's preferences. And then along the bottom, you have the time or the duration and the decline. Um, So typically, someone who has got all their capacity and is making their own decisions, their decisions, their preferences rule, and the caregiver or the other family member's preferences are very low as far as priority. If a person has a cognitive issue or something that causes their ability to make good decisions decline, then their preferences tend to lose power as the caregiver's preferences increase. So if you have someone who has a serious dementia, they don't have much preference in their decision-making, and their caregiver probably holds much more preference. So we always say the elder may be able to choose what color socks they wear, but the caregiver is going to choose where they live. Right. So so just sort of, I guess in a nutshell, uh, the conflict box would be um, a, a situation where you have an elder you know, it's typically the elder who has some loss of, of cognitive capacity, uh, but they don't have an, a, a they don't have a, a complete loss of cognitive capacity. Right. You know, and and I think all of us know that work in this area every day that uh, there are people that come into our office and say, "Well, I can't get mom to do this or do that." You know, which is typically more along the lines of, well, you know, mom, mom can't take care of herself at home, but she won't move. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, and then we will have that conversation and say, well, why does, why do you think mom needs to move? 
you know, and then typically it might be something like, well, mom can't feed herself, she can't dress herself, she doesn't take her medications, you know, and um, she really needs to move in with me or move into an assisted living, but she isn't moving anywhere. It's kind of like, I think that's often a story that we get. So what are the problems that when people are in in the conflict box? Well, as, as you described, the conflict box is kind of right there in the middle where there's a power balance as to whose preferences need to take priority. And the example that you gave... Um, where everyone around the person believes that they need more assistance and they should be living where they can get that assistance, except for the elder who thinks they're doing fine. Um, You get into a struggle of whose preferences should rule. Um, Part of it has to do with the family dynamics of a child taking over for their parent. That's a very difficult step for many children to take, but it's not even always a child. It may be a spouse or another relative that sees the changes going on and can't or has difficulty intervening. Um, I think the other piece of that is not only the reality of where that person functions, but also the perception of where that person functions. So you have an elder who's losing the ability to make good decisions and the child is allowing them to continue to make decisions because they're not recognizing that loss of function. Right. So, so we call that some cases, we call that denial. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have children that come into us, and I know I've my example often is is that a child comes in and says, "Well, mom had a, you know, she had a good day last week. She only fell twice, right, right." You know, and then you're then you kind of look at them and say, uh, "You know, you're 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 one good fall from a real disaster." Yeah. You know, but some you know, it, but then you have the other cases where. You know, that you have the child that comes in and says, well, um, you know, mom, you know, she made a mistake. Uh, You know, she turned left instead of right. And I was really worried about that. And she now needs to move to an assisted living. And it's like, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's part of the reason that you're in the conflict box because your mother, you know, it seems to be telling you that, um, you know, my, my preference for independence and autonomy uh, should weigh more than your concern that for, my, for my good health, safety, well-being, and quality of life because I can take care of myself. You know, so we call that paternalism. Exactly, exactly. Right. I had talked to someone the other day where the daughter didn't want to take over the financial affairs for fear that mom would get better and regain her ability to manage her finances um, and not recognizing that right now, whether it be temporary or permanent, someone needed to step in and take charge because mom wasn't making good decisions. Mm -hmm. 
So we've kind of described, you know, I guess, what the problem is. Maybe we have a case, you know, in one case, you have a child that, that recognizes that mom can't live by herself and mom doesn't realize that she can or won't acknowledge that she can. Right. Or, or frankly, she really lacks the capacity. I mean, it's not really her, it's not her fault. She just lacks to, uh, the capacity to appreciate you know, that she is unable to take care of herself like she did when she was 35 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you, yeah, so how do you, how do we handle these disagreements? How do we tell, what are we, what are we telling our, 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 our older clients, you know, and our families that are in this, that are in the conflict box? Uh, we tell them to take a deep breath and hang on for the ride. Um, We often explain and give them some insight as far as what is going on by explaining just what we just talked about, how it's, it's a conflict of perception of ability to make decisions versus um, ability to make good decisions. Um, and, and we encourage them to help, um, in some places, choose their battles. Uh, what are we going to let them make decisions about? And what are we going to put our foot down and, and not allow them to do that? We discuss the balance, as you said, between the elders' um, happiness and independence and respect for them with our concern for their health, safety, and well-being. Um, And we tell them that, especially if there is a dementia process going on, that things will change. And at some point, they will be able to intervene and take charge, maybe sooner, maybe later. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm guessing that really what we're talking about here is, is that maybe the hard landing won't be so hard. Right. Right. Because the worst case scenario is, I guess, um, or one of the worst case scenarios are the situations where, uh, you know, the elder, say, has a fall or, or an illness or, or some accident at home, uh, and uh, nobody's there to come to their, uh, to their aid for maybe hours or sometimes even days. Right, I mean, right. Mm-hmm. That something happens um, and, and they don't get the help they need because they're in an unsafe environment. And then it becomes crisis planning rather than being proactive in, in planning. A lot of times we, we talk about setting up that safety net and putting um, that safety net in place, that backup plan in place for when something does happen, you know, doing more frequent checks, giving them a a personal emergency response system, uh, maybe even to the point of putting cameras or videos um, in the home so they can monitor the situation um, before it does become unsafe. Um, The new portals, the new face-to-face calling systems that are available can sometimes be good because it can allow you an easy access to check on someone. Um, So using technology to your advantage to help monitor the situation and then knowing what you're going to do when or if something does happen. Mm -hmm. 
having your assisted living picked out. Um, sometimes um, we we talk to them about short term options. So maybe it's going to mom and saying, you know, with winter coming and our fear that we can't get to you should it snow or ice or the power go out, we think you should go stay at this place, you know, at least for a few months and just try it out. And then, um, you know, we'll keep the house here if you need to move back. Mm-hmm. The same goes with driving. You know, mom, I had someone tell me how they've subtly been able to make sure that dad had a ride every time he needed to go somewhere um so he was not driving at Mm -hmm. all um they just made themselves available to take him where he needed to go and but they left the car in the driveway Mm -hmm. and that seemed to work for everyone yeah so really i think what you're saying is is that it's it's there's no real there's no ideal solution or there, there's no one thing that you can do, but it's a, it's a, it's where the family is located, where the help is, uh, even obviously even what the relationship is, uh, among the, uh, among the family members. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, there's no one solution. Um, we recognize that it's, it's very, challenging. Um, It's a very tense time for families as they start recognizing that their their loved one is declining um, and how do they take the steps to make sure they're safe without disrespecting them or um, allowing them to harm themselves. Right. All right, and I think probably the maybe maybe even one of the most important things is for them to n- realize that they're going to get through this. You know that at some point, um, mom or their loved one will pass through the conflict box uh, where they will not be able to. Um, you know, they will not be able to. Uh, get so much pushback or, or they will be able to intervene, you know, to right. it'll be easier to intervene because of the situation where, where the elder has declined and, and no longer, they may not even express their preferences or it's easier to overrule, override their preferences because mm-hmm. of their, their health and mental status. Yeah which is kind of like what you were saying is, is just sort of sometimes you just have to hang on for the ride. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Any other comments or observations that you can think of about the, about the conflict box? Um, For families getting into a support group where they can hear other families talk about this situation and realize it's not unusual. They're not alone that other families go through this, no matter what the relationship was prior to the cognitive decline. And um, to hear that families have been able to get through it can right. offer that support, have a good support system around you because it can be tough and frustrating. That's true. It's, it's really about, uh, you, know, you may hear something or some strategies that some fam- that some other family has gone through that could be very very pertinent to your situation. Yes. 
And just as a reminder for everybody is that uh, we also have uh, a graphic of the conflict box on our website. You know, so go to tn-elderlaw.com and, and search on the conflict box. All right, that's it for today's episode. I'd like to thank Deborah King, our elder care coordinator, for joining us. Please tune in next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.